It's all about your health, your wellness. Radio MD. RadioMD.com. Get healthier, get fit, eat better, have a richer quality of life. Health on the go. Staying well with Melanie Cole, MS. Most people think that a cardiac event is usually event-driven, but what if you could prevent it in the first place? And by your risk factors, IDing the stressors that you have that contribute to that risk of heart disease, my guest is the Chief of Cardiology at Rush University Medical Center, Dr. Kim Williams. Welcome to the show, Dr. Williams. Let's talk about prevention preventive medicine. I am in preventive medicine myself as an exercise physiologist. What do you think is the most important thing we need to do to prevent heart disease before it happens to us? Well, thank you for having me on the show, first of all. Um, I would like to say that that there is no just one thing and that it's really an entire lifestyle. We know what the risk factors for developing heart disease are, particularly the type of heart disease that involves the major killer of people in the United States, which is heart attacks, um, but also strokes, uh, aneurysms of aorta. They're all caused by the same disease, which is uh, plaque buildup in arteries. And that plaque buildup can narrow the wall, uh, narrow the artery, or it actually can can weaken the wall. So avoiding the plaque buildup is really uh, the key thing to do. And the best way to go about that is to avoid the risk factors. That means having a very normal blood pressure. It means having uh, avoiding diabetes, which is very much in, in our population related to weight and diet. Having a heart-healthy diet, which is not the way most Americans uh, define it, oh, just a little less you know, fried food and the like, but actually having more of a plant-based diet, if not an exclusively plant-based diet, and then not being sedentary. And so if you put those uh, together and you're doing all of the exercise and um, proper intake that uh, is required, uh, it actually is completely avoidable. So, Dr. Williams, there's been much in the media about inflammation as being another cause of heart disease and many other diseases as well, and stress-related cortisol things. How do we get rid of that, and is inflammation really a culprit? So you wonder if... uh, the markers that we have um, that we measure in the serum, such as C-reactive protein, are innocent bystanders, or if they're really related to the disease, then it's possible. Uh, however, if you take a look at the, the effects of the risk factors that we just talked about, exercise lowers inflammation. It lowers C-reactive protein. A plant-based diet dramatically lowers C-reactive protein. And so I think we have enough data to suggest that our lifestyle really can make a a huge difference here and uh, lower the inflammation that is at least associated, if not causative, of many of the heart attacks and strokes. What are good numbers for CRP for us, Dr. Williams? What what numbers can people see on their blood tests? So uh, you should know that we don't actually routinely do them anymore. Uh, It was uh, about 10 years ago, it, it was... Uh, highly popularized. It fell out of favor when the payers realized that um, there really wasn't a a huge impact of uh, treating the number and changing the number. And so that will be argued still uh, 10 years later, back and forth between payers and providers, uh, but it's not usually routinely done anymore. But having said that, the high-sensitivity C-reactive protein 
uh, level that's between zero and two is considered pretty good. And when you start getting above two, you're um, uh, getting into a range where it's high and perhaps should be addressed um, using the uh, techniques that I described or medications. And um, if you get above 10, then you're really concerned that there's something uh, serious going on, such as cancer or an inflammatory disease. Well, Dr. Williams, I certainly believe exercise is medicine. However, changing people's behaviors is never that easy. And you're the chief of cardiology at Rush University. How do you tell people to change their behaviors so that these things become their life, part of their lifestyle, as opposed to just something that they do, like taking a pill? Good question. I was actually very interested in this phenomenon of how do you actually impact people's lives. And there's a a whole science behind it, and we do have a a preventive health department who really works on not just the medical aspects, but the psychological aspects. You mentioned stress, for example. And a lot of people's um, reaction to stress is to, you know, continue working. They're not exercising, which is very stress-relieving. They're not eating properly because stress drives them to crave particular comfort foods, which may not be the healthiest for our arteries and our blood pressure. Uh, Having said that, um, we really need to have uh, a a culture that really works on uh, improving the diet and exercise. And I think most people are familiar with it, but they may not understand that they may be one of those people who can make an absolute change on on a dime. That is, um, if you look at the literature published on this, probably the best is Dean Ornish talking about the heart disease reversing diet. Uh, And pretty much all of his studies, people fall into three groups. They're the people who just don't make a change no matter what (laughs) advice you give them. Um, They're people who are able to make some uh, moderate changes, and then the people who will follow it absolutely. And they really follow about one-third, one-third, one-third. I think by giving a lot of the uh, information to the patients that's available on the website that um, we use for um, talking about plant-based diet and and exercise. And these are all things that you could Google or any search engine could pull up. You're actually able to give more information to it. I think we're getting to the point where we can get more than just that one-third of people to to really make a change immediately. And in other people, uh, it really is necessary for them to gradually make a change. But I think everyone really can change. I think one of the great things that you brought up, and good point, is that technology today can help us make these changes. And that if you're if you're wondering how to do a plant-based diet, you can Google it. Or there's apps that you can use at the grocery store to help you figure out how to cook kale and how to cook these things because people don't really always know. So I'd love for you to give us some more advice about preventive medicine as opposed to event-driven medicine. What are you seeing today? So, so first of all, I, I, I don't want to undermine the, uh, the need to see your physician if a person has concerns about their history or they're having any symptoms. Um, and within the medical armamentarium, we actually have some powerful drugs. I know a lot of the preventive people uh, or some of the preventive people are not so interested in, in drug therapy. Um, I always try to use it as a last resort, but I have a, a great deal of respect for the ability of um, a high-dose statins, which are uh, really emphasized in our new lipid guidelines, to really impact how many heart attacks occur in this country. Uh, I think it's one of the major things that's happened over the years that has lengthened the lives of people uh, because they're surviving heart attacks and having less heart attacks after the, the initial. 
But that's really the treatment. And to, to prevent, uh, we have to identify the risk factors and see who is, who is appropriate to take the statin medication. Um, and then we also have to do everything we can to avoid even having them on statin if we could do it all with diet and exercise. And so, the, you know, it's a, it's a huge challenge uh, to try to get people to change their behavior. Uh, these, these are core issues that people grow up with, and um, it's you know, very difficult to get them to change. But uh, I'm famous in my clinic for sitting down with a patient, pulling up a website, and starting to look through products. Um, and so I, I may not be the best at cooking kale, but um, I do like, you know, if I'm at, you know, Detroit Tiger Stadium, I do like having the uh, a completely vegetarian uh, Italian sausage that they have. Um, we have a, a really great variety of meat substitutes, cheese substitutes, and the like that make an American diet quite reasonable. Um, in addition, there are websites that can actually show you which restaurants to go to because that, that's the, uh, uh, a very large difficulty for most people who try to change to a plant-based diet. They're doing pretty well at home, and then when it's time to go out or try to socialize, uh, they're inundated with uh, you know animal products and everything that they look for. Uh, but you know, there are websites that one can, can frequent that actually will tell you exactly where all the vegetarian and vegan restaurants are uh, wherever you're going. Thank you so much, Dr. Williams. For more information, you can go to rush.edu. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.